0: Welcome to Better in Real Life, a podcast from the Trestle Collective. I'm your host, Jonathan McGinty, and in this podcast, I like to have conversations with some good folks doing some interesting, pretty cool things. It's episode three, and perhaps against my better judgment, I've decided to talk with Joe Van Hoos. Joe's my business partner, one of my best friends, and he's also probably the biggest fan of auto racing that I know.
1: Well I am not ashamed of the gospel of American auto racing. Let's just let's just start there. And when you're not ashamed of the gospel, sooner or later you just want to see if you can you can spread that good news. And uh, you know, racing has a wealth of challenges facing it at this very unique time in, in history. And to hear some people pontificate you would think that racing might not be around in the next 50 years. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna put myself in position to be the light on the hill to, to, to make sure that racing has a spot in America to endure. Here we go. And, cause it's important, you know, it's a man doing the uncommon thing. And it's a, it's a beautiful life-ruining sport. And I don't think it's ruined enough lives yet.
0: Now, Joe was gonna be my first guest on this podcast, but some scheduling snafus impacted us. And if we're being honest, as did his dissatisfaction with how our first take of a podcast turned out. So instead, we got a few episodes under our belt and decided to give this another go. Be warned, Joe and I can go down some pretty weird rabbit holes.
1: I can see you're really, uh, really digging hard to get some great guests for your for your podcast. Thanks so much for having me.
0: <laughs> I well, you're you're not the first guest. Oh, you well, were that, not the first guest. You became yeah. the third guest. Well, I'm a busy man,
1: Jonathan. You should know that better than anybody.
0: <laughs> that, maybe. Yeah, kind
1: of takes a lot of effort to run a company
0: yeah there's every once in a while i sit back and i go i'm in business with joe van hoose yeah and some days that's pretty pretty exciting other days i'm like really i did what again yeah you should you should see what happens when i look in the mirror and be like i'm in business with john mcginty your face lights up gets so excited is that what happens? Is that like a, what happens? Like a golden retriever and his master has come home. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, would you like to play fetch now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this is what the podcast is about. You're just going to have people on, on this show. You're going to ask them crazy questions. You're going, <laughs> going to belittle their life's work and then also remind them that you're, you're, you're stuck in this vortex too.
0: Exactly. Um, It's it's uh, a you ever see that movie Hot Tub Time Machine? (laughs) This actually is not like it at all, but I just wanted to reference that movie. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'd like to talk about our company because you know, trying to make money, I I appreciate that. But before I do that, I would like to ask you for your thoughts on my alternate uh, alternative podcast idea. Which is this exact same format, but I'm interviewing you portraying uh, real life celebrity characters, dead and alive, and we play it straight. So, for instance, you would just be Dusty Rhodes, and I would interview you. And I don't really, it doesn't matter if you've got a good uh, um, impression of him or not. I can assure you I don't. Can you, get, can you give me a Dusty Rhodes right now? How would that go? No, I respect the man enough. Do you do any impressions? Do you have any that you think I'm not bad at this one?
1: Why, why do I need to do impressions?
0: I actually this is this
1: is true. I I don't do voices. I don't really do impressions. I'm I'm random
0: enough to not have my own characters to lean on. This this makes it even more exciting, I think, because they'll be intentionally bad. Like like I'm looking forward to interviewing Carol Burnett, you pretending to be Carol Burnett.
1: Yeah. I don't have a lot of vocal range. I don't know if you knew this about me, uh, but I don't. I, 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 and, I, and I'm terrified if I have to do any sort of vocal work um, because it's, it's still scary. Like I have a little bit of a stutter. I have cotton mouth from time to time. I slur words together like a son of a gun. Um, I, I have way too many of my own difficulties to work through when I'm talking to start worrying about
0: channeling other people and their talking styles. I mean, I will say I think it would be very entertaining to have you do Dusty Roads or like someone <laughs> like like Tom Cruise, only because I just want to hear you try to do the Tom Cruise laugh.
1: I don't even know what he sounds like. Is that it?
0: We'll go with that. Well, this will be Tom Cruise laugh. I had another idea inspired by a commercial I saw a few nights ago for a podcast. Because there was a guy who owns a company promoting his company, and his name was Tom Cruise, spelled differently.
1: Yeah, he he's the CEO of Hubberround.
0: There you go. Yeah, I've watched the right. I feel like a good podcast would be finding people with the exact same names of famous people and then interviewing those people about what it's like to have the same name as that person.
1: Well, I would rather listen to that than this. <laughs> I mean, this is
0: going great. Isn't it? We're not completely off the rails. Well, not yet, at least. Just hang on for that. But here's what you should know about Joe. He's thoughtful. He's creative. He's creative and he's a darn fine writer and storyteller. And at the end of the day, it was his idea to start this whole Trestle Collective thing.
1: So there comes a time in every man's life, maybe, I I mean, at least there came a time in my life, uh, after about 15 years of of work doing, you know, everything from newspaper journalism to, to agency PR and communications work to, to working uh, in-house and, and, and the big realm of corporate America, we'll call it, uh, you know, there comes a time where you want to see what, uh, what working for you is like. I wanted to see what it, was, what it would be like to work for me, uh, hopefully with a handful of clients. And uh, once I started workshopping that, hey, there's a market for that. Everybody needs a good communicator. Everyone needs a good story to be told. And that's something I can deliver. Um, What I wasn't necessarily counting on at the beginning, but quickly became apparent as I was telling folks of my ideas, there was a lot of more people out there like me and I recognize Uh, a lot of people with complementary skill sets you know, great graphic designers and social media marketers, digital marketers, email marketers, all of them privateers. And I thought it would be really cool if we could get all these great privateers on the same team. So here comes the Trestle Collective. You know, think of it as as an agency that's not an agency. You know, we we have the capabilities of an agency, um, you know, and we're out here helping our clients tell their best stories and turn heads you know, focusing on, on providing that top shelf strategy and stories and work without that agency overhead. You know, we've grown from, uh, from uh, I guess, a one-man operation this time last year into uh, a, a true collective with, uh, with clients across the spectrum of, of, uh, of industries and work. And uh, boy, what an exciting thing to wake up to and figure out how to, ad- to advance
0: every day. You know, what is interesting to me is that because I was having the same thought process, not as formulated as, as you had uh, mapped out in your head, um, but I was having the same thought process. But what has been interesting to me is that we have done this and maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's something else, who knows? The Once we began to do it, we got a lot of people who were friends, colleagues, former colleagues who reached out to us and said, "How did you do that? Could I do that?" And if I did that, could I work with you?" And I find that pretty uh, interesting, given the times we live in, and also pretty flattering for those who want to work with us, because I feel like I feel like we're doing good work, but we're also making it up as we go.
1: Sure. Yeah, this is, this is not, you know, like I said, this is not an agency, right? <laughs> like we, we have very few bylaws, very few processes, um, you know, because we would rather focus on our clients and ourselves. And I think that's what really helps this, this thing move along. We try to keep our singular focus on the folks that we're working with and for. It is neat to, you know, this is just a giant thought experiment, but we're playing without a net underneath this. Uh, and that's just the kind of motivation I was looking
0: for to get out of bed every day. How many more metaphors do you think you could squeeze into that explanation right there?
1: Oh, I think we could squeeze at least two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I return to the uh the question of you in particular out of all the auto racing uh, endeavors uh, enjoying the sport, uh, or the, uh, the, the dirt track element. Um, you are known to go in much more normal times to frequent dirt tracks across Northeast Georgia. What is the allure of that?
1: You know, it's different. It's fast. It's dangerous. Um, anything can happen at a dirt track, anything can happen at a racetrack. You know, you can see the triumph of, of the American spirit, and you can also see death uh, waiting around every corner. And knowing that that is out there, knowing what the stakes are, and that these, these folks are neighbors, essentially, we're building these cars in their garages at night when they should be, you know, hanging out with their families inside. That they, will, that they will put that kind of effort into something that's not going to make them rich, not gonna really make them any money. Uh, but these people who, who you know, work one job or another all week and then they get to go out and do this on the weekend. And for that, you know, for that 20 lap feature race, all of a sudden they're the star of the show. Well, that's kind of exciting. I wonder what they're gonna do with that kind of power. What will they, what lengths will they go to to achieve it? Ah, I feel
0: like, correct me if I'm wrong, because you've covered the sport and been around the sport, but I feel like you have to have, and I don't mean this in a dismissive, critical way. I mean this as a legitimate curiosity thing, but I feel like you've got to have a little bit of a death wish in you.
1: Oh, there's certainly. Like, if you want a heavy dose of fatalism, go hang out at a racetrack for a while. Right. Like, you know, COVID Florida has nothing on dirt tracks. <laughs> it's a horrible thing. Like, racing right. will lead to no good end. Um, it is illogical. Um, and it's, it's ruined plenty of lives. But it's also saved plenty, too. And I think you have to... If you're going to love racing, you kind of got to love the whole thing.
0: I feel like racing is uh, comparable to Jacksonville Jaguars football. There's a bit of fatalism involved in there, right? I
1: mean, there was
0: until we got Urban Meyer and
1: Trevor Lawrence. Now big things are ahead, baby.
0: Will you, did you have, you had Jaguar tickets?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I mean, I went to school in Jacksonville, Jacksonville University, and I had Florida season tickets. They were my granddad's. You know, he got them in the 50s, and then I picked them up in 1999 when he couldn't go anymore. And so I was going to those games on Saturdays. And I think the season tickets back then, this was, you know, early 2000s, were about $500 a year for a ticket. And I think we were paying $135 a year for the Jaguars tickets, which were better seats (laughs) than my Florida tickets, and two more, hell, four more games uh, than you. So, like, the value was was really there, except for the part where you had you were watching, you know, Jack Del Rio and Byron Leftwich try to figure out how to win NFL football games.
0: This is post-Mark Brunel, I feel like.
1: I was there at the very end of the Mark Brunel years.
0: I feel like, is is there, if Mark Brunel walked into a bar in Jacksonville, that he wouldn't have a drink. Is he, is he the most, leaving aside who, having Trevor Lawrence now, is Mark Brunel the greatest Jaguar of all time? Not even close. Okay, who who is the greatest Jaguar?
1: Fred, you're like, we're just going to, go to ignore Fred Taylor, Tony okay. Buscelli, Jimmy Smith.
0: I had All Jimmy Smith there. on a lot of fantasy football teams.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he was amazing. <laughs> he could stretch the field better than hardly anybody
0: when he had it early going. Are you going to go back and get more Jaguar tickets now that they appear to have uh, some interest, uh, a, a, a foundation for future success?
1: Well, you know, it's it's tough because there was a stretch um, from 2009 until uh, 2019 where I did not see the Jaguars win a single football game in the flesh. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. I mean, I lived down there for a, for a good chunk of that time. Uh, and, you know, you could only go – you could only be sitting up there – you know, in the, in the, in the West upper deck for a one o'clock game. And now it's two 30 in the afternoon and it's early in the third quarter. And you look up at the scoreboard and the chargers are beating you like 24 to three. You can only do that so much before, you before you kind of decide, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's best if I just stay home. uh The only time, like the only game I've seen us win Uh, And us, you know, the Jaguars, and, you know, since 2009 was was Thursday night football a couple of years back. Uh, It was Jalen Ramsey's last game with the Jaguars. Uh, And and we beat the Tennessee Titans, but we tried to leave a little bit early, only to find out that we had been double parked uh, at somebody's house that you, you know, because you just park in people's yards. Cause Jacksonville and, uh, had to hang out till about one o'clock in the morning to uh, wait for that car to get moved, but it moved. And, you know, there was just another reminder, even when you win, you can still lose. That's
0: a very Jacksonville experience. But, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I've watched a Jacksonville Jaguars game in its entirety outside of the AFC. I mean, miles Jack is still not down. Like, like the jag. like, here's the thing the Jaguars went from an AFC championship game that they could have won, came very close to winning, yeah, to having the number one draft pick because they had the worst record in the NFL, like, in a two year span, right? Which is that, yeah, I don't, I mean, I feel like you got to work to make that happen.
1: Well, we were screaming down the runway with the brake lines cutting too. Uh, it, it was. It was really something that next year, because I believe the Jaguars played the Patriots in Jacksonville early to start the next season. And the Jags win that game. And all of a sudden they're 2-0. and And you're like, hey, it's still fine. And then I don't think they won another game until about week 13.
0: Who in the world was the quarterback of that team?
1: <laughs> how can you how can you forget? How can you forget? Do you want me to tell
0: you? Because I'll tell you. Sure. I don't, remember, I don't know who the quarterback was. Come on, hold on! I'm going to kick myself. It's, it's Blake Bortles. Oh my god! I mean, I've, again, after watching The Good Place, how in the world will I not know right. Blake Bortles?
1: I uh, if you search my uh, if you search my Twitter feed, uh, I made a uh, some clip art Blake Bortles swag. Uh, it was a snake wearing his jersey, and it had a cool Blake the
0: Snake logo about it. It never took off. I don't know why. I'm I'm looking up at the clock and somehow we've spent 12 minutes talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I don't know what's going on.
1: If any of this ends up in the show, your show is not very good. And I know it's not good because I'm doing the I'm doing the I'm doing like I would argue some of my best work this year has been doing the music for this podcast. I don't understand this podcast, but
0: I understand the music part pretty well. I, I want to point out, one, yes, the music is good. Joe, everybody, does the music for our podcast. My favorite part is that he has to do it live every time. Yeah, there's my no there's some, there's
1: files or recordings or, or things that I can just plug and play because your intros and your transitions are all different lengths. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I really try to play along with the emotion of the conversation. Sure. And the rhythm of the conversation. You talk really rhythmically.
0: I try. Well, you know, I had speech therapy. I tend to talk fast and have some disfluencies. So I try to, if I'm having an interview or a conversation, I try to talk really distinctly. And apparently, like I yeah, I, I the conversation that we had with Ryan Lavner, I matched his energy, I felt like. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, the, the tempo of your music, that's the best part, is that it's always slightly different every time. <laughs> like a scavenger hunt.
1: <laughs> well, it, I, you know, I think probably the biggest thing that should be noted here is that I can't really play the keyboard at all. <laughs> and I don't own one. I just have this little, this little MIDI system that I think I borrowed from a buddy about 10 years ago and just never gave it back. But it's a you know it's a little uh, it's a little 18 key MIDI board and I just bang on that like uh, like Schroeder from Peanuts and you know it's a good theme song Charlie Brown
0: I I uh, I, I like it it's good it's uh, it's got an NPR feel which perhaps this episode notwithstanding I would argue is sort of the, the tone and tenor that I'm going for.
1: Well, you're just boring enough, my friend.
0: I mean, I'm trying. I like <laughs> to understand the journey that the people had. What got them to where they are versus where they were? And for I years, it was, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: I want to be clear. I, I don't give the Jacksonville Jaguars much credit for who I am today.
0: Better in Real Life is a production of Trestle Collective. It's hosted by me, Jonathan McGinty, with original music and editing by Joe Van Hoos. For more, visit trestlecollective.com, and be sure to let us know what you think of the show.